Hi, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. We're so glad that you found us online and wanted to let you know that at Heights, it's our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do that is by posting weekly content at all of the places that you might visit on a regular basis. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us with a podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page as well. If you're finding us for the first time, make sure that you let us know you were here by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out the digital connect card. We're so glad that you found us. Man, thank you, worship team. If you have a Bible, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. We're going to continue to talk this morning about Christ and his work within our marriages and our homes and our lives uh, as we just sang about here a few moments ago. Ephesians 5 uh, is where we're going to be. We have been in a series uh, called Empowering Grace finding your identity in Christ. And we have just been moving uh, through the book of Ephesians just line by line. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to continue to read ahead. You can see where we are. In the uh, next couple of weeks, we'll be wrapping up Ephesians. But what we've been seeing in this book is that it is Christ that establishes who we are in Him. So when we come to faith in Jesus, he gives us our identity. That's chapters one through three, that you are chosen by God, you are loved by God, you're redeemed uh, by, by God through the works of Jesus Christ. Now you're put into a family of believers, of brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, diverse but unified around the person and work of Jesus. Now you have spiritual life, Ephesians chapter two says, you have a new heavenly home one day uh, that is yours with God for all of eternity. Then what happens in chapters four through six is we start seeing this identity being lived out in how we're to relate to one another, how we're to live out our daily life. So Ephesians chapter four, verse one, have a worthy walk uh, in your life, all right? So live to please the Lord, live to obey the Lord. Ephesians chapter five, verse one, be imitators of God. So do things that God would do in the way that you love people, you sacrifice for them, you forgive them. And so now what Paul has done in Ephesians 5.18 is he says, be filled with the Spirit. All right, so we, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and being filled with the Spirit means that we are on the ongoing, under the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the Holy Spirit is affecting the way we think, how we feel, and how we act, all right? So now I'm filled with the Spirit, and then what Paul starts doing through the rest of chapter 5 and chapter 6 is now he's talking about relationships within the home. All right, so he's talking about marriages, and next week, or, or we'll look at parenting here soon and, and our work. So now we're kind of spreading out how we're to live and to interact with each other. So when you think about where Paul has been taking us in this letter, uh, there is one part of creation that absolutely always amazes me. And when you think about God's creation, I just want you to kind of think in your mind to yourself, what's one of your favorite parts of God's creation, all right? So if somebody just came up to you and said, hey, what do you, what do you love about God's creation? I mean, what are, you, what are you thinking right now in your mind? Maybe it's a, man, I love the sunsets. You know, I love a sunrise. You may be a beach person. You know, I'm not a, not a huge beach person. There's this thing called sand. And then you get in the water 
And there's just other things around you in the water. I just, I'm not a beach person. I'm a mountain person. I love the mountains, like love to hike. I love, I love just mountains, right? So I'm a mountain person when it comes to creation. You know, you might look at your spouse right now. Go, man, you're my favorite part of God's creation. You know, as a wife, you've looked over there to your husband. You've locked eyes. And he's thinking, what's for lunch? Right? Because for guys... What's our favorite part of creation? Food, right? I mean, we just love food, you know? Um, I had a, a conversation with somebody recently, and um, long story, but they were, we were kind of doing a memory test thing, and the guy was like, well, let's test your memory. And I was like, okay, cool. He was like, what happened on, you know, about a week ago? I was like, this. And he was like, uh, what did you have for dinner three nights ago? I was like, I don't know what I had for dinner three nights ago. And he kind of scribbled in his book, and I said, whoa, whoa, hang on. What did you have for dinner three nights ago? And he was like, that's a fair point. I said, I'm a guy. I don't think about what I had for dinner. I'm thinking about what's next for dinner. Like, it's not the male mind works, right? How about this part of creation that I, I, I think we kind of miss? How about marriages? How about relationships? I mean, that, that's, to me, one of the most beautiful parts of God's creation. Because when you think about relationships, this wasn't Adam and Eve's idea, right? So it's not like they're in the garden of Eden. It's Adam and Eve and God, and Adam and Eve look at each other and like, let's get married. Let's have kids. That's going to go great, right? I mean, God had given them a command, hey, be fruitful and multiply, but God had to do something. He said in Genesis 2.24, I'm putting you together. So now God creates marriage between a man and a woman. So what we would say out of the Bible is this, that God ordained marriage. God created this institution of marriage. What you're going to see in Ephesians 5 is Christ sets the pattern for marriage. All right? So Christ now teaches us in our roles how to love each other in marriage. So last week, and I'm going to leave that on the screen for you so you can write it down. God ordains it. It's his idea. Christ sets the pattern now for the roles in our marriage as husbands and wives. So if you got your Bible open, look at Ephesians 5.21, and look what it says. This was last week, so if you weren't here, just going to catch you up real quick. So wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. All right, so that's the role of the wife in the marriage. Now we said last week the word submit... It means to line up under, to arrange yourself under. Uh, it is a voluntary action of the wife. All right, so this is not dictatorship of the husband. This is not the husband coming to the wife and saying, you are to submit to me. You are to obey me. Right? Husbands, if you do that, here's how this is going to go. You go to your wife and go, Ephesians 5.22, woman, you need to submit to me. The next thing that's going to happen is you're going to come to my front door about 10 p.m. one night and knock. And I'm going to be a little grumpy because i got to come out and talk to you at 10 p.m. in my front yard. I walk out. What in the world happened? Well, we got in a big fight. What happened? Why'd y'all get in a fight? Well, we got in an argument, and I told her what the Bible said. I told her Ephesians 5.22 said that she was wife, and she was supposed to submit to me. So she kicked me out. 
And Pastor Lee, I don't have anywhere to go tonight. Can I stay with you on your couch? It is in that moment on our front yard. I'm going to look at you with all grace I can come up with, with all love, with all compassion that I possibly can come up with, and I'm going to say these words to you. No. (laughs) You cannot stay here tonight because that's not what that means. And you, sir, are a fool for saying that, and you deserve a night out in nature by yourself. (laughs) We'll talk tomorrow. God bless. Right? So it's not that. Right? So so when you hear Ephesians 5.21, it's not dictatorship. Okay? So he said last week, headship is not dictatorship. In a marriage, it's husband for wife and wife for husband. You're both for each other, all for the Lord. All right? So, so wives, notice that. Ephesians 5.21, support your husbands. Line up under your husbands. Arrange yourself on your husbands. Cheer them on to follow Jesus. That's an act of worship for you as to the Lord. Now, what Paul does now is he drops down into the role of the husband. Because now we're going to see what what Christ calls us as husbands to do. So God ordains this. It's his idea of marriage. Christ sets the pattern for it. Now the Holy Spirit, he's going to empower us as men and women to live out these roles. So let's stand together. We're going to read uh, verse 25 on down to verse 33 as we look particular at the role of husbands this morning. And also, can I just point out, wives, you get three verses on your role, we get nine verses. I don't know if we're slow learners, what is that all about? Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present uh, the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Notice verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore, verse 31 says, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. That's a quote of Genesis 2.24. says, this mystery is profound, verse 32. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Verse 33, however, let each one of us love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We believe that this is God's word that he has written to you. I'm going to encourage you to learn this word, fall in love with this word, and find life in it. Let's pray together. God, as we come and we talk about relationships, um, whether it is friendships, whether it's parenting, whether it is marriage, uh, those are hard. And they're hard because We are people that are often sinful and we don't treat each other well and right sometimes. And Lord, we desperately need to be reminded of how Christ has treated us and loved us and forgiven us. And so, Father, I I pray for the husbands within the room this morning, uh, including myself, that we love our wives as you desire us to love them Pray for the wives in this room to love their husbands as you designed and desire that for. 
And Father, I pray for our our singles, I pray for our widows, our teenagers, uh, that Lord, they continue to feel and know the love that you have for them in their season of life as well. So Father, help us to fall deeper in love with the work of Christ in our lives and in him. We pray in Christ's name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Notice that command in verse 25. That command is husbands, Love your wives, and if you circle in your Bible, circle the word as, as Christ has loved the church. There's two times that Paul says, husbands, we are commanded to love our wives as, all right? So verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Drop down to verse 28, husbands, love your wives. There's that word as, again, you're going to want to circle, as you love your own bodies. And so verse 25, this husband loving your wives as Christ loves the church, this is a sacrificial love, this is a serving love, this is a forgiving love, Uh, this is not husbands, you come in, I'm king of the castle, everything revolves around me, you serve me, this is, we said this last week, husbands, this is not your wife being your maid, your mother, your shorter order cook. No, this is husbands lining yourself in a position to say, I'm going to love you, sacrificially serve you as Christ has served his church. And Pastor Matt rightly pointed out earlier, when it says church, that's us, that's believers in Jesus Christ. And so I need you to kind of sit with me in verse 25 for a moment because understand when Paul is writing those words to the people of Ephesus in this Roman culture, these are absolutely radical words, right? This is, this is shocking that this letter is circulating around Ephesus to other Christians where the call is, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. And the reason being is the Roman culture, this Roman pagan culture, divorce is rampant in this culture. Uh, Men cheating on their wives and having multiple girlfriends uh, and multiple mistresses is just a regular practice in this culture. Basically, for some, Roman marriage was just viewed as a way to have legitimate children. And so for husbands in this culture as Romans, uh, it's really my responsibility is provide you with food, provide you with shelter, and that's all I need to do as a husband. So so that's where Paul is pushing into this culture to the men and saying, no, that's not what God has ordained you to do. That is not what Christ has set the pattern for. That's not what the Holy Spirit is empowering you for as a believer in Jesus Christ. The Jewish culture is a little better than the Roman culture in this regard. But you had a, a kind of group of the Jewish culture where they followed the more liberal teachings of the rabbi called Hillel, and Hillel taught as a rabbi that men, you can divorce your wives for pretty much any reason. You know, you don't like her cooking? Well, okay, there you go. Yeah. You don't like the way she folded laundry? All right, you can divorce her. So Paul's writing that in a culture that doesn't value marriage. Fast forward 2,000 years, these are still radical words. Because what you're going to see now in our culture is a lot of similarities. And what God's encouraging wives and husbands to do as believers in Jesus Christ is set a higher bar for marriage. 
Say, no, no, there's a better way for this than what we're seeing out in our culture. And so he says, wives, submit to your husbands at the Lord, verse 21. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So men, think of it this way. This is going to be a Golgotha type of love for your wife. This is going to be a Christ-like foot-washing type of love for your wife. This is going to be a Christ-like serving type of love for your wife. This is going to be a Christ-like forgiving type of love for your wife. That's what we do as husbands. We serve, we forgive, we love, we care, we lead. Now, how that works in your marriage is going to depend on your marriage, okay? I can't give you five ways that it's going to work for everybody, right? Because you as a husband and you as a wife, you're different than other husbands and wives. You're uniquely made and uniquely put together. So let me encourage you this way, husbands. Have a conversation with your wife, right? That was radical enough, all right, okay? Sit down, turn off the TV for a moment, blow her mind away, and say, listen, I want to help you more. I want to serve you more. I want to encourage you more. Help me understand how to do that, all right? Husbands, that's a good place to start in communication. Now, your, your wife may be totally taken back at the moment because that's never been your pattern, all right? So you got to kind of let her catch up mentally from what she just heard. And she may look at you and go, I don't know, right? I, I just, I don't know because decision fatigue may be in. Uh, she just may not know. And that's okay, husbands, all right? Don't get mad at her if you go, how can I help you? And she doesn't come back with the laundry list, all right? You just, so then you pivot and do this. You say, okay, listen, I've noticed you, just, you know, things are just getting stressful. How about I cook dinner? She laughs, okay, all right, how about I get like pizza, right? <laughs> how about I take care of dinner tonight? How about I take care of the laundry? How about I rework the schedule and I'll pick the kids up? Like, okay, so, so maybe you come and say, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I encourage you? If she's not able to kind of form that plan, then offer a plan and then say, all right, well, how about this? How can I help you these ways, all right? And then let her speak into that plan, all right? So, so in your marriage, she's gonna kind of depend on how you guys communicate, how your wife processes things, but I'm gonna encourage, that's one way to start, husbands. How do you love your wife as Christ loves the church? Sit down and ask, how can I do this better for you? How can I serve you better and encourage you better and build you up? Because I want you to notice what Christ does for us. Paul gives us this kind of illustration and metaphor of what Jesus does for us as believers in Jesus Christ. Notice in verses 26 through 27, there's three things that Jesus does for us. Number one, it says that he, so the he in verse 26, that's going to be Christ, might sanctify her. The her is going to be the church, okay? So he's working us through this illustration of what Jesus does for us, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy without blemish. So when you run across that word sanctify, it means this, to set apart, so when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, Christ sets you apart from sin, 
right? So you're sanctified that way. We still, though, struggle with our flesh. We still struggle with sin. So then when we come and we repent from that, we turn from that sin, we come back to Christ, we ask for forgiveness, Christ sanctifies us again. He cleanses us again. So what Christ is doing in your life is making you more and more like Christ, what we call progressive sanctification. So he does that, number one, for you. Sets you apart, and he says, hey, I don't want you in sin any longer. And when you get back into that pig pen and you realize that, man, that was sinful and I wasn't, that was wrong, I need to get out of that, I'm going to move you out of it again. But notice what else he does for us. He cleanses us, and he says he cleanses the church. He cleanses her with the washing of the word. The washing there, some believe maybe that points to baptism. Uh, there is a Jewish ceremony before a bride on her wedding day would have a premarital bath, you know, this cleansing ceremony. So maybe that's what Paul's talking about, the washing there. But he points us to the word. And we're washed through the word of God. So the more we know the word of God, the more we obey God. And the more we kind of come to this realization, here's the truth in my life that I need to follow. And notice the end game, right? Notice the end game, and that wedding song pointed us to that end game, so that you as a believer in Jesus Christ, one day God, at the end of your life, presents you spotless, presents you blameless, presents you without sin. And so Pastor Matt mentioned it earlier, Christ is our bridegroom. We, the church, we're his bride. This is what Christ wants for us. So for the kids in the room, this is what Jesus wants for you. For the teenagers in the room, this is what Jesus wants for you. For the adults in this room, singles, widows, married, engaged, dating, wherever you are, this is what Christ wants for you. So if you ever step back and go, man, does God really love me? Does God really care for me? Yes. This is what Christ is saying. I want this in your life to set you apart from sin, cleanse you, present you without sin one day. Now, how does that work in the marriage? Because it's way above my pay grade to do that for Sandra. Like, like, I, I can't do that for her. But what can I do as a husband for my wife is I want that for her. Baby, let me help you follow Jesus. And how can I help you be the best follower of Jesus you possibly could be, because this is what Christ wants for you. As a wife, you're looking at your husband thinking, God, how can I help him be the best follower of Jesus Christ he can be, because this is what you want for my husband. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. But notice the second way we love our wives. Verse 28, husbands, love your wives as your own bodies. Now, when you read that, you might be like me and go, not everything I love about my body, right? You may have something about your body you, you don't like. Maybe it's your height. Maybe it's your hair or lack thereof. Maybe it's your vision, your weight. Maybe something. I mean, we all have something, right? Where we're like, man, if I could just change maybe one thing, it'd be this, Right? I was not created with the natural ability of speed. So anytime I run, which is rarely, play sports, I'm always the last one in. I'm slow when it comes to sports. My nickname in high school was slow motion. Because my friends would say, when you play basketball, it looks like you're in slow motion. So I had good friends. 
That's all another sermon. We've done counseling. Don't worry. No, I'm just kidding. Right. So maybe stuff about your body. You're like, I just don't love my body. But you know what? At the end of the day, you do. Right? There may be something you don't love, but at the end of the day, you love your own body. You nourish it. You cherish it. You feed it. You protect it. You help it. You, I mean, you love your own body at the end of the day. And so what Paul is saying is husbands, love your wives as your own bodies. You nourish your wife. You cherish your wife. You care for your wife. You honor your wife. You build her up. You help her follow Jesus. This is what a husband does for a wife in a marriage and what a wife does for a husband in a marriage. Because what we see in Scripture is this. God ordains marriage. It's his idea. He sets the boundaries of it. Christ sets the pattern for it. How do we live with each other? How do we interact? How do we help each other? We look to what Christ has done for us. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do it. Because when we look in this, we see at the end, verse 29, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and keeps it just as Christ does the church. You know, God ordains marriage. Jesus sets the pattern for it. The Holy Spirit empowers it. You know, there is a play in baseball. It's called a sacrifice bunt. And if you know anything about baseball, it's, a, it's an interesting play that's kind of faded out of baseball, really. They don't do it as much anymore. But a sacrifice bunt takes place when you have a runner on first or a runner on second. And what you as the batter are trying to do is move the runner safely into scoring position. So if you're up to bat and there's a runner on first and the third base coach gives you the sign for the sacrifice bunt, you as the batter are now not going to swing the bat. Instead, you're going to square the bat up and you're going to bunt the ball. Now, when you bunt the ball and why it's called a sacrifice bunt is for this reason. You're more than likely going to be thrown out at first base. But the runner from first now got safely to second. Or if they were on safe second, they got safely to third. Now they are in a position to score for the team because you bunted. Now you gave up in that moment as a batter the right to swing the bat. You gave up your right in that moment to swing the bat and try to hit a home run. You gave up the right in that moment to swing the bat and hit a double and add to your RBI total or your batting average total. You gave up that right by laying down the sacrifice bunt for the betterment of the runner on first. But here's the thing. When the third base coach signals it in, you as the batter have the choice. Am I going to bunt? Or am I going to ignore the third base coach and swing for the fences? Husbands, God is calling you as that third base coach to lay down a sacrifice bunt for your wives. That's what this is about. God's not calling you to swing for the fences. He's calling you to bunt. He's calling you to sacrifice for her. He's calling you to put her needs ahead of yourself for you to move her into a position 
of where God wants her to be. God, through his word this morning, husbands, just gave you the signal. You have to decide, am I going to ignore it and swing for the fences? Or am I going to bunt? Now, you might, husbands, sit there for a moment and say, does she deserve that? Does she really deserve me bunting for her? You wives may be sitting there this morning thinking, does he really deserve that? <laughs> does he deserve me to follow him and love him, forgive him? I don't know what took place in your marriage. I don't know everything that's been said over the years. I don't know how it's all operated. But I know this. As a bride of Christ, I've been imperfect at times. As a bride of Christ, I didn't deserve Jesus to forgive me. As a bride of Christ, I didn't deserve, if you will, Jesus bunting for me. As the bride of Christ, I've been unfaithful to him over the years at times. I didn't deserve his love. I didn't deserve his mercy. I didn't deserve his grace. But what does this bridegroom do for his bride? He loves us. He serves us. He washes our feet. He forgives us. And he says, I'm here for you to cherish you, nourish you, sanctify you, to help you be the best follower of Jesus I can be. See, in your marriage right now, you need to stop looking at your spouse and hoping they will be the perfect spouse. <laughs> that person doesn't exist, right? Doesn't. Who you have been put with by God is who God wants you with. That perfect spouse out there that you think is there isn't there. God says, I put you together. Genesis 2.24. Husband should leave father and mother and be joined to his wife and become one flesh. And so what you're chasing, what you think you're missing, it's not there. Instead, what's there is the person God has put you with, that God is right now saying, love her well, love him well. Love them as I, Jesus, have loved you. And that is what our bridegroom does for his bride. And as God that has ordained marriage, Christ sets the pattern. The Holy Spirit empowers our marriages. Let's pray together. I'm going to invite you just right now where you are to talk to the Lord. And I'm going to let you sit for a moment in silence as I finish giving some instructions. Because maybe there's some things you need to sit with and listen to the Lord on this morning. Maybe today it's as a husband. You need to recommit yourself in your marriage to loving your wife as Christ has loved the church. Maybe as a wife, 
is to make the commitment to love your husband, to follow him, and to encourage him to love the Lord. I'm going to invite you singles this morning to understand that the perfect spouse is not out there, but there's a perfect Savior. So maybe this morning it is a recommitment, a renewal as husband and wife coming back to loving Christ first. Even among the mess, even among how hard it is, putting aside everything that's been said, saying let's come back to Jesus first as the priority of our marriage. As you are processing what the Lord wants you to pray about and as he's speaking to you, I want to invite those of you that have yet to come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today to come to know the perfect bridegroom, to know the one who came into this world, who entered the mess of our relationships, the one who has come to say, I've rescued you from darkness and hell forever to give you life. I want you to come to know this perfect Savior by the name of Jesus. I'm going to give you that opportunity in a moment. And I invite you just to sit for a moment in silence and pray quietly whatever the Lord has put on your heart. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God you have prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This morning, husbands, your wives, it is, that's God's masterpiece, his workmanship. Wives, your husbands, that's God's masterpiece, his workmanship. You have been created in Christ for good works, the good work of marriage. Go and walk in it. Live it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say then I'm just gonna pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, dear God, today I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me, amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith and we'd love to connect with you follow up with you and, and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org slash connect. Click the decision tab 
that's gonna bring up a form for you to fill out that's gonna come right to me and we're gonna be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you. If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our life groups are at 9 a.m. and our worship service starts at 10.30 a.m. So we hope to see you soon and we hope you have a great week. God bless.